You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from Vormir, may Black Widow rest in peace. Absolutely. Hello, Hi. Nicholas. Hi. Hello, blow me. Hey, 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 how's it going? Great. Good, how are you? You know, not bad. Good, good. Welcome to voc- welcome to Vocal Fry. Thank you. Yes, yes. It's nice to. I always feel weird. Is is it meeting? Does it count as meeting over over no. video? Sort of meeting. Sort of. Pseudo meeting. Yeah. yeah, like sort of meeting. It's funny um, because I I do practically all of my work online. Uh huh. And and so there are so many people that I know all over the world who I've never met in real life. Exactly. And, and and when I end up meeting them in real life, it's funny because I kind of feel like I have to reintroduce myself. For real, though. We've had that experience yes. uh, uh, multiple times. Yeah, where people that, you know, or maybe I've met them one time in person, but then I talk to them all the time online. So I'm like, are we are we friends? Does this count as friends? Yeah. Is this friendship now? <laughs> well, Vocal Fam, we yeah. are here with Nicholas Pollison, um, who is going to tell us all about his performance coaching business and uh, all this kind of stuff. But before we, we talk about any of that or your Nats National talk, mm-hmm. um, tell us about sort of how how you got from, you know, how you got to your career as a singer and then how that evolved into a, a, a what performance you do now. Yeah, coach career. Yeah, so... So I spent many years performing and, and I always say that, that my whole performing career happened because of the work that I do now, you know, like without the work that I do now, I would have never been a singer. Um, I, you know, to put it kind of mildly to be kind of generous about it. I, Mm -hmm. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional childhood home Ah. and, uh, And, and struggled a lot with challenges at home, struggled a lot with challenges at school. And, and, you know, and everything that I was going through in life really impacted my performing. Sure. You know, yeah. at, 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 an er- at an early age, I kind of discovered that I really enjoyed singing. And, and I joined the high school choir. And, and it was a lot of fun, except all of that bullying and, crap that I was going mm-hmm. through at home kind of bled into my performing. So I would be scared to, to go and perform, but you know, but I was, I was really like, I would have massive meltdowns mm-hmm. every time I sang, you know, I'd have panic attacks. I would shake, I would throw up, I would forget wow. the words. Mm. It was, intense. it was, yeah, I'm going to like until and totally intense meltdowns. And just and, in front of certain, people or or in even in rehearsal or practice or something you know it was it was it was backstage kind of oh. getting ready to go on yeah. mm-hmm. and, and also kind of you know during the day leading up to it kind of that a makes thing. sense but but really it would kind of come to a head right you know, before a full, the performance a head yeah right before but then you know but people would see it happen even on stage oh you wow. know like 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 okay. you could literally see me having a panic attack on stage and yeah and shaking and and i'd always forget the words and it was a it was it was a hot mess really wow and 
And, and I was at that point where I thought, you know, I, I think I want to do this like mm-hmm. as a career, I think I want to pursue this, but number one, you know, if I, if this is how it is every time, like who's going to hire me? Like I have no <laughs> idea how I'll ever work if I have these meltdowns every time I sing. And, and also I thought, you know, do I, do I really want to do this? I mean, this is not fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Feeling, 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 feeling this that way, way like, every, every time. time I sing is not fun. And so like, is, do I want to really want to do it? And mm-hmm. like I said, I, I had felt that, yeah, I, I really think I want to give this a go. So, so then I went and did some, you know, various approaches and modalities and kind of tried everything under the sun to, to help me. And, and at a certain point, I, I was finally able to kind of overcome all of that and get to a place where, where I felt like everything was much more manageable. And, okay. and, and that inspired me, you know, to, to say, well, you know, I think this is really helpful and I think it's really important. And I think more people need to have access to this because, you know, even at that point in my life, I thought, you know, this is really important, but no one's talking about it. Yeah. And no one's, yeah. no one, no one's, out there providing any sort of resources or help for it. And, and I said, well, I want to change that. Like, why not me? Why, why not me just start the conversation? So, so I went and got trained and I got certified, you know, I, I say on my website, I got certified in a gazillion things <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I always joke that I could basically fill an entire wall of my office with all the certificates oh. I, got, <laughs> I got, I got, I got trained in. Right. Um, you know, but, but I always say like, it was that that really then allowed me to have the singing career because, you know, if you had told me at 18 that I would have sung at the Metropolitan Opera, Mm -hmm. that I would have sung at English National Opera in London, Lyric Opera Chicago, you know, that I would have won almost every competition there is in opera in Mm -hmm. the United States. Like, like I would have said, no way, (laughs) you know, because like, because I'm sitting, you know, the backstage kid, the freaking out, <laughs> who's like throwing up and having panic yeah. <laughs> attacks would have been like, how's that going to happen? You know? <laughs> and so, so I, I always say it's, it's because of my own exploration into this work that I, that I ended up having any sort of singing career. Wow. But then it was interesting because at a certain point, I, I was kind of doing both concurrently and mm-hmm. okay. having my singing career. And I started supporting other people with, overall mental wellness and performance psychology work and 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 kind of at a certain point on the the journey i started to notice that i came alive helping others come alive Mm. in 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 a way that i didn't as a performer oh wow and 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 i remember i remember having experiences where i was at the met Mm -hmm. you know having these cool experiences at the top opera house in the world and thinking you know what like this doesn't hold a candle compared to that breakthrough my client made this week oh wow that's fantastic yeah and so you just kind of realize where your passion truly lied yeah yeah and so and so at a certain point I told my manager I said I'm done with the singing career let's Mm -hmm. let's let's finish up my Mm -hmm. my you know standing things like that and yeah, and so then summer of 2018, I sang Sharpless in Madame Butterfly at the Santa Fe Opera. 
Fantastic. And literally, because we were in Santa Fe, I literally rode off into the sunset. Oh, uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> into the Santa Fe desert sunset, you know. Which I, is a beautiful I, sunset. I mean, those were my two apprentice there, summers. So, I mean, uh, it's a beautiful sunset. Yeah, there is nothing like it. No. I'll tell you. So, Absolutely so, yeah, nothing. So, yeah, so, yeah, so for the last year and a half now, it's just been just been working with people no no performing and so for the vocal fam who's not like looked at your website and you should but i mean you know tell us you said some of those certifications that you got just give us a a few of them i mean you know some of the things that you got certified in to head toward this training yeah so i i you know some silly things including well it's not silly no it's it's a cool thing actually but like i i got i got trained in laughter yoga you know a lot of people don't even (laughs) know that laughter yoga is an actual thing (laughs) i didn't Um, yeah (laughs) You know, neither did I until I went to a Until you're in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I got trained in some, you know, cognitive behavioral stuff. I got trained in a lot of mind-body stuff like EFT, emotional freedom technique. Mm -hmm. I got trained in in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. I got Mm -hmm. trained um, in in personality typology, you know, like I, I got, okay. you know, it's like every, everyone takes those Myers-Briggs oh, yeah. like tests online. Oh, yeah, we've yeah. done that, the but, Enneagrams, but, whole nine yards. Yeah, and... But but I, I actually got trained in Myers-Briggs to, to, to actually like give people the real exam and interpret it for them and all of that. Yeah. But, you know, I would say the, the big thing that, that most people knew me as is I was a, I'm a board certified hypnotherapist and, all right. and I spent, and for for many years up until about five years ago the uh, the focus of my work was doing hypnotherapy and, oh wow you know and i and i would also and i would also give people you know other interventions and mind body exercises mm-hmm. and techniques and stuff but but hypnotherapy was kind of the focal point of my work and and i had come to the point to where i've been named in the top two percent of hypnotherapists in the united states and and was speaking at all the major hypnotherapy conventions. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was training other hypnotherapists on how to work with performers. Oh, and wow. I kind of okay, became okay. known. I became known for that. Yeah. So if they had performer clients, you know, they would come talk to, to me you. about how to best help them. And and so yeah, and so you know, I was for a long time kind of you know the opera singing hypnotist who mm. would <laughs> who, who, who you know um who you know I, I always say you know i hypnotized over 2500 people but never once made anybody click like a chicken so <laughs> well, then i think you were missing out like if you're going to be a hypnotist i think at some point you have to make someone click like a chicken isn't that like just well, a part of it and yeah well you know i'll tell you what you know after this is over i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you, you can be the first oh but. dear <laughs> i don't even need to be hypnotized to do that i'll just i'll just do it <laughs> hey yeah there you go um, but um that's but yeah. cool yeah so and then and so that was kind of you know my main work for a while mm-hmm. and then so it when you then, go ahead go ahead oh well i was just gonna say you know then five years ago kind of everything changed for me okay okay because because i started to see the best way to describe it is i had some epiphanies about life i I started to see life and kind of how we work on a much deeper level than i had before and okay and and kind of in a way that made everything that i had done before that make no more sense to me like like it's the weirdest thing for me to describe i i was literally sitting in 
my sublet in London, I was singing uh, Rigoletto at the English National Opera mm-hmm. and singing my sublet in London and, and suddenly had this epiphany that changed the whole way I saw the world. And suddenly doing hypnosis with people, doing all these interventions mm-hmm. and techniques with people literally made no more sense to me. Okay. So and, it, and so did you essentially like you kind of have formed your own sense of um your own approach at this point i'm guessing yeah yeah in a way in a way yeah it's um and and i kind of feel i've always done that because i was trained in so many different things that i always kind of took i I pulled from everything and kind of created my own kind of approach um i would say you know these days the work that i share at least for the last five years Mm -hmm. is is kind of based on a, a psychological paradigm you know even you might even consider like a spiritual teaching okay. that, that, that gives us kind of a deeper understanding of the nature of being human, the nature of how we work, that, that really kind of changed the whole way I saw life. And, and, and yeah, like I said, it, it suddenly started to look to me like that, that we were, we were running around trying to fix something that was never broken. Mm. okay okay yeah we've definitely talked about some stuff like that like remember we talked about imposter syndrome yes yes, yeah yeah absolutely yeah those are definitely some things we've touched on because i mean that is something i think we all are especially in the music business constantly trying to reflect on ourselves we're we're very self-critical you know every i feel like we walk away from a performance and immediately start telling people oh well i did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong so yeah that's something we're constantly doing and dealing with so when someone, let's say, uh, obviously I know you do workshops, but mm-hmm. is the majority of your work one-on-one or is the majority of work the more public workshop kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say, I would say at, at least three quarters, 80% of my work is one-on-one sessions. Sure. And, okay. and, and I, do, I do sessions with people all over the world because I do all of my, uh, all of my sessions online. Mm-hmm. Which is really convenient these days, with you know, yeah, with, oh, yeah, with, you know, with oh with yeah, that, you know, not going out and quarantining and all that, but you know, mm-hmm. it's and kind of being taking their precautions. It's 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 actually been great because I've always been doing. You just this, continued you know, this your yeah. so just so for me, it's just business as usual. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but I work with people all over the world uh, through Zoom. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. do online sessions, and, and and that would that's the bulk of my work. And then I also teach workshops and I do uh, residencies at various uh, universities, young artist programs, music festivals. And I also speak at a number of conferences, not just in opera, mm-hmm. but the instrumental world. Um, I, s- somehow I've really gotten into the flute community. And, all right. All right. Uh, and, and last year I spoke at a couple flute conferences. And uh, this year I've, I've already spoken at one. And, you know, okay. uh, seeing how things, you know, of course, we're waiting to hear about what happens with coronavirus, yes. but, but I'm supposed to be speaking at two flute conventions over the next two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, yeah. yeah and, you're really on hold with that, aren't you? Yeah. Like I actually, I haven't, you know, my flight is booked, but mm-hmm. I haven't booked my housing yet. Yeah. Because, you know, they, it, it seems like it's still going to go on, but you never know. So, Things are changing so quickly right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, so, so 
it's been kind of cool because it's, you know, I'm speaking not just at opera stuff, mm-hmm. not just yeah. at voice conventions, but also speaking at instrumental conventions. And I think a big part of that is, uh, is that for the last five years, I've been on faculty for mental wellness and, and performance psychology at the New World Symphony in Miami, okay. which is Michael Tilson Thomas's orchestral training academy. It's mm-hmm. basically, you know, it's like a three-year version of like the Met Young Artist program. Yeah. Kind uh, of okay. a thing. It, it's where kind of the top orchestral musicians in the country go and it's basically an academy that prepares them for three years to, to play in the major orchestras in, yep. in the world. So, so yeah, so I think because of that kind of connection and being on faculty there, I've ended up kind of speaking and working with a lot more instrumentalists and orchestral musicians as well. So, um, yeah, but, but, but yeah, I would say that's about a quarter of my work is going and doing these public talks. Wow. Uh, so what, what is the talk that you're going to give at national? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give a talk called "Winning the Mental Game." Okay. All right. And 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 what and what it is is, you know, you know, kind of along the lines of how I was saying earlier about how, kind of the big epiphany that really caused me to leave behind all the stuff I had done before mm-hmm. was this idea that that we're trying to fix something that was never broken. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think what I have kind of come to see over the years is that, you know, we, we have all these techniques, we have all these therapies, we have all these methods and approaches out there to help people with performance and audition anxiety. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, even though we supposedly know more than we've ever known about the mind and we have all these different approaches and methods, yes. like people are really struggling you know, people are still struggling a lot with performance and audition anxiety. And, and for years, that was kind of how I taught, you know, I used to give people strategies and techniques to, mm-hmm. to you know, calm their nerves and yeah. to get rid of self-talk and to, and, and to do all of that. And then, you know, one of these epiphanies that I had was, well, what if, what if us trying to fix performance anxiety is the very thing making it worse? Okay. Hmm. Okay. So would you say like you just are trying to change people's focus like away from like instead of focusing on fixing the performing anxiety, you are refocusing them to like a different area or a different. Well, I, I think it's more about helping them have a totally different relationship with anxiety. Mm. Okay. Okay. I get that. So, so, so so to me, and and this might sound crazy to some people listening to this and, and I'm used to that because I I get that a lot now, but like, (laughs) like I don't, I don't see performance anxiety as anything that needs fixing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and because I think that we, 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 we go to all this effort to fix anxiety because we don't understand what it actually is. And, 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 and I think then it's us trying to fix it that gives it more life, that gives it more energy, that kind of makes it boil up to the point to where it starts to get in our way. Mm. Okay. And, and, and so, you know, but I think that it's, I think that the way that we talk about it is kind of built on some premises that I used to teach for many years, like I said in my work, but now look to me to be a little more flawed than we 
mm. than we okay. made them out to be. So, so, you know, a lot of the class is going to be about taking a fresh look at some of these givens that we've just assumed mm -hmm. about, about performance anxiety. And, and I'm going to be offering some different possibilities. I'm going to be inviting people to kind of look in a different, to, to look in a different direction from where we've been used to looking. Okay. So, so, you know, you know, one of them being, can performances and auditions actually cause us anxiety? Mm. You know, is, is there an inherent anxiety to performing and auditioning? Is there an inherent pressure to performing and auditioning? You know, most people would say yes. Uh -huh. you know, most, most people would say, oh, yeah, of course, performing is stressful. Auditioning is nerve wracking. You know, uh, you know, performing is high pressure. And... And so one of the, and, and so now kind of the way it's looking to me is like, well, what if that's actually not true? Right. You know, I mean, we're, we're doing what we're doing, but given that premise and, and yet people are still really struggling. And so it's like, well, maybe let's take a look at that. Is there really an inherent pressure to performing and auditioning? Is it really inherently stressful? That's kind of one of the things that I, you know, we take a look at. Another one being that, you know, we need to be in a certain mindset. Sure. That, that, that we have to feel a certain way in order to, to perform well. And, and that just doesn't look true to me anymore either. Fascinating. Yeah. And so, and so you know, it'll be interesting. And I'm glad that actually we get to have this conversation because, you know, I, I tried as best as I could in the little blurb. Yeah, 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 yeah. To make, to make this clear, but... But, you know, if, if people are going to if people are going to come to my class hoping to get seven strategies to crush your nerves <laughs> or, or, you know, or, or, you know, five simple ways to you know, silence your inner critic, well, you know, they're going to be really disappointed. You know, they're, they're going to be really disappointed. Right. Be because I'm not going to give any tools. I'm not going to give any techniques. I'm not going to give anything for people to do. Sure. Instead, instead, I'm going to invite people to just take a fresh look at, at how we've been taught to look at performance anxiety, both the, the causes and the solutions. And, and, and what I found is that when, when people really take a look where I'm pointing, they start to see stuff that, that in my mind opens up a whole new world of freedom. Yeah. You can be, you know, in fact, in fact, my master classes. Are, are called mental freedom master classes because, you know, the traditional paradigm of sports and performance psychology mm -hmm. is all about mental toughness. Right. And, and to my mind, the mental toughness game is ultimately a game of control. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, where we're trying to control our thoughts. We're trying to control our feelings. We're trying to control the circumstances. We're trying to control, you know, these outside forces for being able to have an effect on us. And, and I think that there's just so much more on offer. Like I'm, I'm interested in the possibility of mental freedom, this idea that I can feel whatever I'm going to be feeling that day. Mm -hmm. I can be thinking whatever I'm going to be thinking. My mind can go wherever it's going to go. And I am still capable of giving a great performance and doing great work regardless. Mm-hmm. Mm so, I mean, really what you've been talking about is uh, more of a complete paradigm shift in terms of the way you're looking at 
you know, this whole topic of performance anxiety. I mean, really is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an absolute paradigm shift. Um, I, so I have, I have two thoughts that I share in my own teaching that I, I, you know, I, I'd be interested just to sort of get your perspective on since this is what we're talking about. One of the things that I will normally encourage there are two ideas that I give my own students. If they're if they're if they're struggling with performance anxiety and they're and they find themselves getting nervous, there's sort of two ideas that I usually will will give them um, that I guess are strategies. And I know you're talking about just a different viewpoint, but that are strategies I use myself. But I try to frame it in the fact that it's a different viewpoint. And one of those is I, I the first thing I try to convince them is that having a little bit of nerves is a good thing. Because one, it means you're a human and it means that it, you have enough energy to actually go out and do the task. Um, that's usually the first thing that I tell them. And the second thing that I tell them is I, I never try to get them to view performing as anything but play. Because in the end, it, it, this whole thing that we get to do on stage, it, the re it, there's a reason it was called a play in the first place. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. um, and so I try to get them to frame that differently for themselves, that it's not this life ending thing. Uh, anyway, I'd just like you to, you to respond to that a little bit. Those are those are some strategies that I use with my own students. Yeah, well, well, you know, I think I think what you're pointing to in in both of those is really, really cool. Like, you know, what occurred to me when you said that is there, there's something, you know, to your first point of, of, you know, feeling whatever you're feeling is okay. It means you're human, you know, there, there's something to my mind, so freeing about just being able to be where you are yeah, and, and, and feel whatever you're feeling without any sort of judgment without any sort of narrative without any sort of story you know to just kind of be feeling whatever you're feeling when you feel it and 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 it's like it's like when it's okay to be feeling what we're feeling mm -hmm. we're, we're we're not going to be so preoccupied with trying to manage it or get rid of it or because if if we're okay with what we're feeling it's not a problem right mm -hmm. and, and if it's not a problem then i don't have to get so self-conscious trying to fix it and, and anytime we're up here, we're not in the music. We're not in yeah. life. And, 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 and as you said, like, I love what you said about play that, that really, you know, it's in the music, it's in life where all the magic is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that inadvertently, you know, and very innocently. So with all these strategies and techniques that we, that we give to people to change their thoughts and channel their feelings and do this, we're innocently keeping them in their head because they've got to think about how to do all that. And then they start thinking about why it's not working and am I, do I need to be doing it more? And why, you know, what's, what's happening all the while, you know, the music's happening. And, and so, and so I think what you're pointing to with that is really powerful. And that's something I'm definitely going to talk in class. Like what if feeling anxious isn't a problem, right? Yeah. Like what if, what if feeling anxious doesn't mean anything about you, you know, and kind of like what kind of a person you are. What if it doesn't mean anything about how, you, how you're going to do, how it's going to go, what you can and can't do. Like what if feeling anxious is just another flavor of being alive. Mm, I love that. That's fantastic. You know? Yeah. And, and, and I think, and I think that that's, you know, when people, you know, try to give these, you know, very nice sounding reframes, 
you know, feeling nervous means you care. Feeling nervous means you're really excited. Mm -hmm. I don't think either one of those are fundamentally true, but I think that I think that why they're helpful mm -hmm. is because it just gets us feeling like, oh, wait, it's okay to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah. 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 Just you know, some of that stigma. Yeah, you know, because and I think it's just kind of cool to really take a look at the fact that that we've we've made all that up. Like like you know, to me emotions are just energy moving through us. And then, you know, and then we've made up labels about them and then we've made up stories about those labels and we've made up that there's good thoughts and bad thoughts and right feelings and wrong feelings and 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 so I think, you know, when people say stuff like it means you care, it means you're excited, it's heading in the right direction. I think because mm -hmm. it's just helping people feel a little more comfortable with feeling whatever they're feeling. Yeah. But I think, I think like there's something even more on offer that what if, what if it's really just neither good nor bad? It's just, that's what life is doing in that moment. Yeah. And it's just, it's just another flavor of being alive. I like it. I like when is, so y'all may have already asked this. Sorry. I had to run away a second ago. When is your um, presentation at Nats? Oh gosh. <laughs> don't worry. Um, don't worry. We'll we look can, it up. We can look it up and post oh, you know it. it. It is. It is on Saturday. Okay. It's on the Saturday of the conference. Oh, nice and, and I early. think it's at five o'clock. Saturday oh, afternoon. Okay. I think that yeah. sounds right. Yeah. If I, if I, I think it's from five to five forty-five. So you're on the early side. You're lucky. You can catch people when they're still pretty fresh in the conference. They're not, you know, just sleep deprived. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I know that feeling. You know, um. I, you know, with what you were just saying, actually, we did an episode early on in the podcast um, called that I called the proverbial they. Mm. And I've actually been meaning for us to revisit it um, with a bunch of our new listeners because I talk about this with students all the time. I'll have a student in a lesson. And obviously, most of my work is, you know, as a studio voice teacher. And. I'll have a student in a lesson and I'll give them an idea and especially a newer student in their first six months of study or something. Mm -hmm. And I will ask them to just make a noise because so much of my teaching is I don't want them thinking about singing. I just want them to make a noise that is a very human noise to make that is very based on some kind of primal response to, to life. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so often when I ask them to do it, they're like, oh, but what will they say if I do that noise? And I'm always like, who in the heck is they? <laughs> who is they? Who cares who they is? And I, I, I've seen this from singers at so many different schools and in so many different situations where they'll just be like, oh, but they'll say I can't sing that aria or they'll say I can't sing that role or they'll say I shouldn't do it that way. And I'm constantly like, who is this random audience of critics that you've made up in your head yeah. that is constantly telling you how terrible you are? You know? <laughs> I, I, so anyway, I think those people could use some of your advice is my mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, the other thing, I, I, I love what you said. I think that's really awesome. And, uh, you know, and I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking about that, you know, it gets me thinking about how, yeah, yeah, we, we, we love, we, we think we're really good at predicting the future right. and, 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 and we think, and we think we're really good at knowing 
how something will turn out and what people how will people think and what people will and say. Mm-hmm. And when, when really, you know, the future doesn't exist, you know, we're, we're, we're just guessing, mm-hmm. but we, but we think so highly of our own opinions. <laughs> that, that, you know, you know, I've yeah, never, yeah, I've yeah. never thought highly of my opinion, Sarah. Have I? That, that we... What? <laughs> no. Sorry. No, no, but I mean, you know, but hey, me too, man. Yeah, like, right. Me too. And you know that that it's like we we think so highly of our own opinions that we we take our guesses really, really seriously. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, and then we act based on a guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 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 I think what you're pointing to with that is really cool that it's like we really don't know. No. No. Like we really don't know what they're what they you know, first of all, we don't know, you know, we may not even know who they, they are. are. Yeah. But, but, but like, we, we don't know what they're going to say. And then the other thing that occurs to me is like, well, yeah. Isn't that just kind of true about life though, that people are going to say stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when it's, whenever we put ourselves out there, whenever yep. we create in the world, people are going to think things and some people are going to really get it. And some people won't. And, and and if you just kind of see that, well, that's a fact of life. That's not a you problem. Like that's the nature mm-hmm. of showing up in the world. Oh, yeah. Some people will like it, some won't. Then, at least for me, it just doesn't feel so personal anymore. Yeah. Yeah. When when people don't get me or get, you know, like when they didn't get my singing, when they don't get what I'm teaching now yeah. in my work, like that doesn't feel personal to me anymore. Cause it's like, Oh, well that's, that's going to be true regardless. Absolutely, mm-hmm. man. That's great. You know, that's great. So like, so like if that's going to be true regardless, might as well just be me. Yeah. Why limit yourself? Oh man. That's, that's yeah, great. And, and, great. Yeah, yeah. What you just said, like why limit ourselves by guessing? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you're never, you're never going to please everyone. Oh man. And there's no point in trying. So yeah. what's your website? Oh yeah. My my website is is nicholaspallison.com. Okay. It's 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 P A L L E S E N. And it will be the title of this episode, so you'll you'll get that vocal Basically, fam. Basically, cool. if you just Google, I bet if you yeah. just Google it, it'll come up. Yeah, That's if, what you, the if you Google for. me, it'll come up. There, we're 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 at the point now where where now the coach stuff is showing up on Google a lot more, and the singer stuff is kind of you know on page three, four, five now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, my web, my web, my website is just my name, nicholaspallison.com. And, and, and I would remember. say, yeah. And, and the other place where people can kind of find me is, is on Instagram. I've, I've kind of, I've, I've really gotten into Instagram in the last year okay. where yeah. actu- actually most of my work I share there now. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Love it. I, sh- I share little snippets. I share, um, little excerpts from some of the workshops I've taught at schools. Yeah. Um, I share little micro blogs. I share, you know, other videos. And so, and, and it's just my name, Nicholas palace and people can find okay. me on Instagram that way. Awesome. Too, but, but yeah. Um, as a, as a, we are a sort of <laughs> two thirds um, voice science and pedagogy podcast and a one third pop culture podcast. Do you have any favorite uh, pop culture interests that you'd be willing to share with the vocal fam things, Hobbies, that, things anything. that bring you joy that are not singing related? Mm hmm. Well, you know, I it's funny because there's a couple of of movie things that I thought about oh, that, that on are us. also kind of relevant to this conversation. But but I would say, you know, in terms of interests outside of this, 
Uh, I just love being out in nature. I love, I I, I love going on hikes. I love riding bikes. I love, I love just being outdoors Mm -hmm. and, uh, and just kind of, you know, getting out of my little apartment and going and going and living, living life, uh, Mm -hmm. outdoors. And, uh, you know, but it's funny because a couple of, of movie of one movie in a, in a TV series jumped into my head recently. So, so I'm a big fan of the Marvel. The oh Marvel. yeah, we love. Well, we Marvel. review every single one yeah. on the podcast. Okay. Every so. single one. Okay. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Okay. And, and and I watched recently. I watched again Doctor Strange. I love Doctor Strange. Wait, hold on. And, pause. You know, oh yeah, pause. get ready. Oh. Get ready. Pause. It's happening. Oh just, gosh. Just pause. Is it easily reach? Okay. Oh, well, here it is. This is one of his prized possessions. Oh, I actually God. have the it. a real Eye of Agamotto. That was given to me as a gift by a voice graduating voice student. Oh yeah, that's amazing. So, we're there yeah. with you. So anyway, I, you know, I, I, I love all the Marvel movies, but mm-hmm. I think because, you know, th- there's so many parallels between the themes that they explore in in Doctor Strange mm-hmm. that are so parallel to things I teach in my work. Like it really, you know, especially when me he's too. going through his training. You know, it, it, it really resonated with me. Yeah. And and I and I remember and it was one of those things that I I kind of just thought it was kind of nice at the moment when I first heard it. But then I when I'm watching it again, I heard it on a deep level mm-hmm. when when Dr. Strange first goes to the, the temple and Mordo is guiding him to the, the temple before they before they go in, mm-hmm. you know, Mordo says, you know, I have one piece of advice. And he said, forget everything that you think, you know. Okay. Absolutely. And, yeah. and and I and I heard that on such a deep level. Yeah. yeah. The, the the second time kind of going through it because because that's that's really a lot of how I how I look at life myself these days mm-hmm. and 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 what I encourage people to do in my work. Yeah. Is yeah. is to you know to hold to maybe hold on to what we think we know a little less tightly. Yeah. You know, not to grip it so loosely and to and to really just kind of be curious mm. and, and see what we can see beyond the known. Yes. To mm-hmm. what to what we don't know. Yes. And and and, and, and yeah, because like I said, you know, as you pointed out, like what I point to these days is such a paradigm shift. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. it's not just like another way of looking at something. It's like a completely yeah, com- different ball game. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so and I know that what was so helpful for me in that journey was being willing to kind of be wrong. Yes. About what I yes. thought I knew, right? Mm-hmm. And this and has so, been true in my own teaching too. I completely agree. Yeah. And so and so I thought, you know, when 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 I heard that, you know, recently, I thought, yeah, like that's it right there. Like, you know, forget everything you think you know. Like that's that's how we're going to see something new and fresh. I you know? totally agree. And and then the other thing, so I so I recently binged the Disney Plus series Encore. Oh, I haven't watched that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, we haven't watched it. I know what you're talking about, though. Yes. Okay. So you know the the quick version is is that Kristen Bell produced the series where where she takes uh, she takes she goes to various high schools around the country, mm-hmm. and she'll get these graduating classes from like ten years ago, twenty years ago, even as much as like thirty years ago, mm-hmm. and she'll reunite them to present their high school musical they did when they were in right. high school. Oh, I and, love it. and yeah. And so like people from like 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, will will like put on these shows again. And, you know, and of course they bring in some kind of Broadway ringers, like, you know, kind of professional ringers to help. But 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 in many cases, they will they'll recreate the roles that they recreated mm-hmm. and that they did in high school. And and, you know, and, and honestly, you know, I thought it was a cool idea. And mm-hmm. and and also actually one of my former clients is is in one of the episodes. Oh. And so, and so I, I had a personal interest in yeah. kind of watching to see her. Yeah. Um, but but it, it was really interesting because I, I first of all, I wasn't expecting to feel all the feels in the way that mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. You know, watching that show. Yeah. You know, because I, I would cry and I'd be inspired and I'd laugh and I'd and I'd cringe and you know, and, <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You know, oh, yeah. you know, feel a little bit of yeah. yeah, you're there for it all. But, but but I remember I was just struck by one episode in particular, which was I think it was the tenth or the eleventh episode, uh, where they where they brought people back to do anything goes. Oh. And 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 these and now these people it was the oldest group of everybody that they had the whole season. Oh, wow. Like I think I I think these people when they showed up to redo their high school musical they were all in their sixties. Oh, oh wow. They, 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 yeah they had like graduated in like nineteen seventy five mm-hmm. or something like that. And and I remember being so struck to, to your point that you made earlier, Nick, I was so struck at at the sense of play that they brought to everything. You, you know Fantastic. They, that they like it was so different. What was so different about it is they just weren't taking any of it really seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously they were, you know, they wanted to prepare as yeah, best as sure, they could. Of course. They wanted, yeah. You know, they wanted to learn their lines and, you know, yeah. give the best performance that they could. But there was this feeling the whole week of like, if this is a total train wreck, oh, well. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's okay. Right. And, you know, and, and I think that part of that, you know, was that, you know, they've, they're a lot older, they've lived more mm-hmm. life, and they've probably seen that, like, hey, you know what, sometimes life goes how we want, and sometimes it doesn't, yep. and we come out the other end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, every time we think it's the end of the world, it actually isn't, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And, and it was so interesting, because they would just throw themselves fully into it. Fantastic. With this whole spirit of play, and then it was funny because then in the performance mm-hmm. in front of the audience, they would forget their lines, oh. and 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 they would just openly out loud be like, "I don't know what to say now." <laughs> you no, know, and and people just laughed with them. Yeah. That's right? great. You know, and then there was one moment where the guy forgets his line, and so the conductor reads him the line, <laughs> from the and, then, <laughs> and then and then the guy hears this long line and goes. Wow, that was a lot of words. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh! And, 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 you know, and the audience is roaring. Yeah, of and course. I thought, and and I thought, you know, how cool is that? Like, and and it was cool because, in a way, them just being so playful and real about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it in a way it allowed the audience to connect to them even more. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it created a deeper connection because it's like because I bet those audience people were being like, "Oh my gosh, it's a human just like me." Yeah. You know. And, and, and I just loved how just, they really didn't take it so seriously, yeah. but then you contrast it with some of the other episodes on the series yeah. where, and, and, and it was, and it was especially where the people had only recently graduated, mm-hmm. like within like the last 10, 15 years yeah. that they came in and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, 
I this is my chance to redeem myself. And, oh jeez. Oh, you know, I you know, I've got to I've got to I've got to prove something to my kids and you know, Yikes. I've got to I've I've got to I've got to you know, you know and and they were mm-hmm. taking it way more seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as if as if there was something really on mm-hmm. how it went. And and you know, and it was good. Mhm. It it wasn't horrible, it mm-hmm. wasn't bad. But it was interesting how it was kind of missing that aliveness. Yeah, yeah that enjoyment. It, 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 yeah, it was missing that that magic. Mm-hmm. You know, because they were more worried about getting it right then, and, and thinking that, like, I, I can't screw up. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so as a result, it was it, it wasn't as rich or deep of mm-hmm. an experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was a great reminder to me. It was like, you know, like. I mean, I can speak for myself, but I think a lot of us, we we take life so freaking seriously. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, we take, you know, and this might sound really sacrilegious for me to say, but I think sometimes we take singing way too seriously. No, I mean, listen, I think we're on board. This, is, this is exactly sort of the point I was making, because one of the things I'll also tell my own students is... You know, the th- uh, one of the reasons I love live performance and I love performing live is I love building memories of stuff that didn't destroy a show or something, but the stuff that went wrong. Yeah. Like, I'm prone to remember the stuff that went, performances that I gave that essentially just went and were fine and were good and whatever, I never remember any of them. But I remember the stuff that went wrong, and sometimes it's the most enjoyable for everybody, for the audience, for you, for, you know. I mean, I, I tell a story all the time about I was doing Flatermouse and that stupid Act 1 finale, and we had to have a real chicken. Of all things, we had to have real chicken on the dumb dining room table. And the director really wanted me to eat the chicken. Adamant about eating this chicken. And so finally, you know, of course, we get to the show and there's finally chicken, right? You know, in the rehearsal process, was there ever chicken? No, 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 no. And so finally we have chicken. And and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm supposed to eat this chicken now. So I take a bite of chicken. And, you know, chicken on stage is pretty dry. I'm sure it was very dry. (laughs) And uh, so I'm I'm chewing this chicken and, and... and literally I'm going, man, this music sounds familiar. And I look up and the conductor's looking at me and I'm looking at the conductor and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm supposed to be singing right now. Oops. And I missed about, I'm going to say I missed three phrases till I finally <laughs> chugged enough of that sparkling grape juice that we had that looked like champagne that uh, till I finally came back in. <laughs> Rosalinda oh, yeah. is trying desperately not to laugh at me, you know, as a soprano would. Um, I think and, anybody would. Well, right. In our defense. But, so. you know, but I mean, hey, the audience sort of thought it was funny because I tried to sing with chicken in my mouth. Yep. And uh, and we all live to see the next day. I mean, well, it just removes some yeah. of those pretensions and reminds us all that you know we, we right. are human. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like oh my gosh, what an amazing story. I mean, sometimes you know? it's it's dangerous because I do remember being on stage in a magic flute with a method actor. Oh. And who turned around and looked at me? He was Papageno, and he turned around and looked at me, and he goes. I know who you are, and I know who I am, but I don't know what opera we're doing anymore. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Oh, my. Okay. Yep, yep. <laughs> Can't say I've ever had that happen to me on stage. That's interesting. <laughs> That's a new one. It was in one of those Act 2 dialogues, you know, where he's supposed to start out, Oh, Tamino! You know, because it's so frightening and whatever. And 
I was yeah. like, uh, hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to recover from this. Here we this. are. <laughs> Papageno. Uh, ha ha ha. Yeah. Ha ha. Look at this flute. <laughs> it's so scary. Does this help you? <laughs> you have bird feathers on. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, Nicholas, thank you for yes. making time for Vocal Fry. We appreciate it. Um, it's been great to have you on Vocal Fam. He will present at Nat, Nat's National, and I guess if you're a flute player, you can catch him earlier than that in the coming That's weeks. That's true. At Maybe. one of the national flute symposiums. Yeah, I'm speaking. You know, virus willing. I'm speaking. Yeah. Uh, I'm speaking at the Kentucky Flute uh, Fair uh, okay. next weekend in Lexington, Kentucky, at the University of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then at the end of the month, last weekend of the month, I'm speaking at the Oklahoma Flute Festival cool. uh, in, in, outside of Oklahoma City. And then I'm going to be speaking actually at the National Flute Association National Convention mm -hmm. in Dallas in August. Well, wow. so there so, you go. Catch him, uh, catch him everywhere, uh, and 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 at Nats and Knox. And if you've not registered for Nats and Knox, early can. bird deadline April one. Um, this episode will actually go up. Not this coming weekend. It'll go up next weekend. Mm -hmm. So, um, but uh, it will be before the early bird deadline for for national. So, anyway, so you thank you it. for joining Vocal yes, Fry. Thank you so much. I'm glad we oh, got this worked you. out. Uh, and uh, everybody, go check out nicholaspollison.com and uh, and uh, check out his presentation. Change your paradigm and, and performance anxiety, everybody. And that. <laughs> all right. Oh, peace all right. out. Bye. Bye.